Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever unto the age of ages. Amen. Good morning. Today's meditation is entitled, Salt is Good. And it's being inspired by today's Gospel reading from Luke chapter 14, where our Lord Jesus looks at His disciples, and He claims to them a spiritual reality. But what's amazing about the Lord Jesus is that he always takes something from the material world, something that the disciples are used to um, in their daily lives, something from God's creation, and makes a direct connection with a spiritual fact. So he says to them, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, let me begin by asking you a question. How many of you agree that salt is good? Many of us. Okay, how many of you say salt is bad? A few of us, I'm sure, <laughs> we uh, will disagree. And uh, the whole concept that salt is bad is... Uh, relatively new to humanity because only in the past couple of centuries we started to look at salt as a chemical, as a sodium chloride, and measure its values uh, in the body. And, and this is fairly new, but um, think about the ancient times, okay? Think about the times of Jesus. Salt was very important for the existence of humanity. As a matter of fact, even though many of us are trying to lower their intake of, of salt in food or not add so much food, but the human body needs salt to exist. And uh, without any salt, you cannot eliminate the salt altogether because it's embedded in so many of the things that, that we eat naturally. Um, we can suffer like um, heart failure or, or different uh, failure of, of many organs of our body. But it's true that salt... Uh, should be controlled and, and limited. And um, a lot of people, you know, think of salt as that white poison. But it's actually, um, God created us dependent on salt on, on many ways. So again, think about the ancient times during the times of, of Jesus. Salt was so essential for so many uses. And let me just give you a few examples. Uh, one of them is preserving the food. For example, they didn't have any um, refrigerators. Uh, they didn't have any means like living in the Middle East where it's a warm climate. It's very easy for bacteria to grow. So salt was used uh, maybe not to completely uh, eliminate the growth of bacteria, but to preserve the food. Okay, in many ways, um, salted fish, uh, you know, it could last you for months and months. If you leave the fish without salting it, it uh, uh, could be rotten in, in a matter of uh, just a few days in, in that very uh, warm climate and uh, different types of food also uh, was used. Um, salt was used in them to preserve them, to keep them through a winter season or, or a whole uh, season. 
of the year, so the use of it could be, um, you know, perpetual for, for many uh, months. Uh, but also, um, salt was used to season the, the food, to add a little bit of taste, a, little, a different taste in order to, um, you know, when, while you're consuming it and you're eating it, it could be um, a good way in order to, uh, to add some flavor. Uh, furthermore, if you live in a relatively cold environment, if you have snow on the ground, um, salt for sure is used for de-icing uh, and for making sure that you don't slip on ice, etc. So it has a lot of useful uh, uses. Um, well, there are other things, other uses for, for salt. Think about medicinal use uh, of salt. And uh, people use uh, salt in order to mend some of the wounds. You'd add salt on wounds, um, you know, with the hope that it will slow down the growth of bacteria or, or, or kill uh, this bacteria. Um, so thinking about the ancient times, actually salt was essential. Uh, it's important also for the marine creatures. Um, a lot of uh, fish um, live in salty, salt water and uh, they, they uh, contribute uh, to that whole ecosystem and they need that intake of, of salt um, as they live in this environment. So think about so many good and beneficial uses of salt. So that's why our Lord Jesus would look at his disciples today and also uh, mentioned in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, but also we read it in the uh, Akbeya prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, and everyone knows this verse, you are the salt of the earth, right? And you are the light of the world. So obviously in that environment at that time, salt was really good. And that's why Jesus would say today, salt is good. Salt is, and the word good here means essential, important, perfect, and in, in complete use of it is essential to our existence. So think now about salt as preserving food, as adding flavor to that meal that, that you are cooking. And the Lord Jesus would say that salt is good and its use is important and is essential, is foundational. And then there's the word, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? So think about a few grains of salt that is added to a full meal or added to some food to, to preserve it. But if it has no effect, if it has lost its flavor, how is this food going to be flavored? How is this food going to be preserved? It has no more use. It's neither fit for the land, so you cannot use it for anything that is living, that is um, on, on land uh, in creation, nor for the dunghill. The dunghill here means the wasteland, okay? Like the places where no humans exist. So that wasteland, even if you throw it there, it will have no impact whatsoever. But men throw it out he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Lord adds this statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Adds it to this passage to understand that he's not only speaking about the physical salt. He's speaking about you and I. There's a deeper spiritual meaning to the teachings of our Lord Jesus that gave us an understanding of the kingdom, the purpose of all of humanity, the, specifically the purpose of all Christians, 
as we exist on the earth. Our Lord Jesus did not say, you are like the salt in this statement and the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the salt. And this statement is so profound because it gives us a sense of responsibility because in so many cases in our mind, we're always blaming the world for being corrupt. We're thinking about circumstances around us that they are not helping us, not helping our children, the next generation, to grow in a spiritual environment that helps them to progress in the spiritual life. We're blaming atheism. We're blaming um, Gnosticism. We're blaming that there's so many different religions that exist in the world. But what the Lord is saying here is that we should not be blaming others. We should only be blaming ourselves. Because if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If Christians lose their impact on the world, on the community, on the society, then how do we expect the world around us to be following the path of righteousness, either its faith or its morality? In essence, what the Lord is saying here, imagine we have food, okay? This is uh, pre-design um, and implementation of the refrigerator, for example, the fridge. And then you leave this uh, food after you finish all the leftovers, I guess you leave it outside in room temperature. And you leave it for a day or two, and then all of a sudden you come back, and it's really... Uh, um, corrupt and it's really went uh, bad and it smells and no one can eat it anymore you end up throwing it out however if you pack some of these leftovers and you put them in the fridge in a cool temp temperature that uh, you know um, reduces the, the the quick growth of the bacteria and you leave it for days and you come back after it's still as fresh you can warm it up and you can eat it you cannot blame the food that was left outdoors in room temperature why it has gone bad and started to, uh, to decay or, or to corrupt or to smell bad. But you should blame yourself that you didn't pack the leftovers and put it in the fridge where it will be preserved. In the same manner, what the Lord is saying, if the salt loses flavor, if the one thing that is supposed to slow down the growth of this bacteria loses its impact, you cannot blame the food for decaying. You should blame the, the salt that lo lost its flavor. So the message that the Lord is trying to send to you and I today is the fact that we should start by thinking on ourselves first, inside, internally, not blame the outside. Think about how much have we as a church community made an impact in the world. Yes, faithful Christians are like salt, okay? It's a, a precious commodity. Yes, the secular world might be going in a direction that does not truly honor God. But if you and I really take our calling seriously into living as faithful Christians, then the whole world could be changed. Then it would be flavored. Then they will see the world is seeking to find role models of true and faithful individuals who are willing to take risks and to swim against the current in order to stick to their morals, to their value, values, and to their faith. In the past two decades, the church has not lived up to its moral 
role modeling and responsibilities. So many scandals have rocked the global church all around the world that ended up in people leaving the church communities and not being um, members in so many different churches, organizations globally, and not only speaking about the Orthodox Church, even though we are not immune. But in the past two decades, for example, the Boston uh, Globe ha had a whole series of articles that were presented for, for a few months uh, from a, a group from within called the Spotlight that exposed some of the scandals of um, the Catholic Church, for example, over decades where sexual abuse cases were um, covered up, were tolerated, and uh, not only the, the priests or the, the individuals who committed the crimes, but even from the hierarchy who covered them up and reshuffled some of those clergy members from church to church, giving them access to, um, to parishes, to choirs, to children, ultimately leading to the harm of so many children. That rocked the church. That impacted the church in so many different ways. And uh, also John Vanier, one of the most celebrated theologians and uh, someone who um, really started uh, a beautiful community for persons with disabilities called L'Arche. There's uh, uh, one of those communities right here in Richmond Hill, but it reaches about 35 countries all around the world. Uh, towards the end of his life, so many women came forward and said, you know, that he had um, uh, mistreated them, harassed them, uh, abused them, and, um, you know, his faulty theology led so many infractions of morality um, and transgressing boundaries. So these are things that impact people, and these are scandals that are coming from within. We're not even talking about things from outside the church. Uh, um, also, uh, some of the Western theologians uh, that were very well known, John Howard Yoder, and he's part of the Mennonite Church, one of the most famous theologians in it. So many um, accusations also came against him towards the end of his life of abuse and, and misconduct, and also Ravi Zacharias and so many others. Even within the Coptic Church, uh, recently, if you were following, um, the news, uh, there was a, a deacon named Michael Fahmy who pretended to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist uh, who went around from parish to parish to diocese to diocese and uh, he was reaching out to young women uh, who unfortunately, you know, were having a hard time with their families or emotionally and again abused them. And uh, this one of, was one of the harshest cases of um, children molestation in, in the history of, of all of Egypt and definitely in the Coptic Church. And uh, thanks be to God in the past year and a half or two years, six brave women who are now adults came forward and, and spoke with the police. He was arrested and he received life sentence in prison last year in 2022. And you can look up all of his story online. There's so many other stories. But these scandals are from within, they're not from without. And many people are asking, has the church lost its moral compass? Quite often we speak from the pulpit about our faith, the fact that we are children of the martyrs and the pharaohs and the first church that was established by you know, Christ himself in, in Northern Africa. And we should be very proud that we're children of the theologians and, and famous 
you know, people who impacted worldwide global Christianity. But why people are leaving church now is not because of the fact that we have a bright and amazing history. Why people are turning away from faith and from church now is because the salt has lost its flavor in many cases. I'm not trying to overgeneralize. Of course, you understand. We have so many amazing examples and role models of people who have kept the faith and have stuck to every step of life of righteousness throughout the ages. But it's the scandals. It's the moral and ethical mishaps that we allow or sometimes we tolerate or we don't stand firmly against in a church community that people would look and say, are we still on track on what Jesus taught? How he was compassionate towards the weak and the marginalized? Some people say, how many cases are there? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Even one case is one too many. Even one example where we as leaders, where we as Christian people go against the teachings of the scripture could make people in the world look and say, does the church still uphold its moral compass, its convictions as a light to the world and a salt to the earth, as a lighthouse in the midst of the darkness? Doesn't matter because how, how other people outside are acting as long as you and I commit to a life of living righteously according to the gospel, according to the teachings, the pure and amazing teachings of Jesus Christ, we are still going to be okay. This past week, I was in um, UK um, for, for, uh, for my graduation. And um, of course, the first thing I want to do is to go and visit the cathedrals and the churches, magnificent buildings that are in Europe that tell us that this um, continent had a, an amazing history of people were, who were practicing their faith and living their faith and faithful to the gospel. But it's really unfortunate that most of these places now are ghost towns. These are places that have celebrated a bright history, but there is no present and maybe no future unless people turn away again and start to see role models and examples from within, not only from without. And I know as a Coptic community, we celebrate the fact that we're blessed with children and, and, and youth and young adults and young families. But I can assure you that all this can disappear in one generation, maybe less, unless we are cognizant about being the salt of the earth and the light to the world. As Jesus said today, salt is good. You and I are good by nature. We've received the charisma. We've received the holy oil. We have received the baptism. We are grounded. We have the sacraments. We have all the means. We have the scriptures. But we need the commitment to the path. It's very easy and, and it's already happening within Coptic communities globally where the next generations are not staying in the church. They're not practicing their faith. And we're always blaming outside, but we should look at ourselves. We should critically have a conversation around have we lost our flavor? Or are we still on the path of righteousness? The Christian faith has always been persecuted by the community, by the society. The Coptic church never had the autonomy to govern itself. It was always subdued amongst other rulers from other cultures. 
Why has the faith survived for so many centuries? It's because the community from within had decided and determined that faith was part of our nature, our makeup, and we will stick to it regardless of how things are outside. The eras of persecution were harsh. People were being killed. And today also there's another wave of persecution, but it's not, it's not new to us. We shouldn't be blaming it. We should only be looking from within. So how do we turn around this new wave that is snatching us? I think first and foremost, for you and I, as committed Christians, we should sit back and reconsider our path and our way. Are we truly faithful to our calling? Have we surrendered and submitted our life to our Lord Jesus Christ? It starts from within, from a personal decision. In past generations, people used to hand the faith to the next generation naturally. And uh, people grew up as Christian or as Orthodox. You expect your kids just to grow up and, and to learn it and to abide by it. And that system worked. I don't think this is the case in our generation. People need to make a personal commitment to their spiritual path. And not just a title that we, or a badge that we wear on, on our shoulder. So and so a Christian or Orthodox Christian. It's not just by name. It's living the faith and absorbing it. As St. Paul on his path to Damascus saw Jesus and he said to him, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. And he asked, what should I do now? And his life was transformed as change. And this is what we need in our generation, transformed lives that truly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my own personal Savior and God. In the Holy Week, we say, my Lord Jesus Christ, my good Savior. So have we accepted Jesus as a true Savior and as someone who truly has significance in my life? Yeah, if I have done that, then I need to go to the next step where I need to say, well, it's not just a word that I'm going to say, but it's a life. How has Jesus impacted my everyday living? Do I spend time in his presence? Am I a true model or example or copy of the original? You know, during the divine liturgy, we have the procession where the priest goes all around the church in the sign of infinity. And uh, he senses in front of each and every member of the church, each and every congregate, just like he senses in front of the icons and he greets them, he comes to each and every member and senses in front of you. Why is the priest doing this? To say that you are a true copy of the original. You are an icon of Christ. And we're sensing before you because you are holy. You have been sanctified. And some of the people make the sign of the cross to acknowledge the fact that I am a sanctified member in the body of Christ. I am a true copy of the original. And not just a copy as in something else. No, I am embedded in Christ. He lives in me and I live in him. So by living a faithful life in Christ, I will spend time with him to absorb from his light, to know his commandments, to know that he is, his teachings are superior to any other teachings. And I will be delighted by his presence in my life. This will surely transform my home, my household. Everyone who is around me will see the image of Christ in each and every one of us. And then the third level is to be a transformed person in terms of my decision making, my morality. So many times my logic, my earthly wisdom 
shuts down and supersedes God's commandments. And you and I need to stand for the truth. Because there is no real practice of the faith unless we witness and testify to the truth of the gospel. Unfortunately, even in so many church communities, they suppress the truth by using human earthly logic. They say, well, you know, maybe if some of these scandals are known, uh, then people will up human wisdom. But we should speak and we should testify to the truth and let the light of Christ shine in our lives to make a truth transformation. When you are, we are filing our taxes, we should file according to the laws of the land. We should be truthful in what we say, witness to the truth so that people can trust us as a Christian community, living our faith at work, at school, witnessing and testifying according to the gospel. This is how you and I regain or begin the journey of regaining that flavor of the salt. Our Lord Jesus says today, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out, he who has ears to hear let him hear. My dear friends, as the Lord Jesus also said, you are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. My pr prayer for this morning is that we take these commands so seriously and begin a whole process of soul searching and evaluation. Where is God leading us? Remember in the Old Testament, when Joseph stood before the wife of Potiphar, and uh, it was very easy for him to fall into sin. And his own conscience said, how can I commit this grave mistake and sin and sin towards God? Every mistake is an infraction before God. In the same manner, Joshua also, when everyone was going astray, he said, you guys do whatever you, you want. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. How beautiful is it when families come together and they commit to the spiritual path. And they say, we are truly the children of God. We want to be the salt of the earth. We want to be the light of the world. We want to be faithful to the beautiful gift that Jesus has given us in eternal life. May the word of God continue to work in our lives, to guide us to do his will at all times. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.